The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Before we get started with this episode of Bench with Bubba, something to talk to you about. That is the quantedge.com. It is a great daily fantasy sports website. Even some season-long stuff going on over there. It's year two of the NFL starting up at quantedge.com. It's year two of the quantedge.com, and I highly, highly recommend grabbing the NFL package. I covered the baseball stuff over there, batter breakdown, quick hits, and more. And on this episode, we got Debro. He's one of the big contributors over at quantedge.com doing the tight end preview with me today. And if you like what you heard today, you get that and so, so much more with the quantedge.com. Right now, you get the NFL season pass. Gets you preseason, gets you the best ball, gets you everything. The member discord, the tools, the whole season. $149.99. Use promo code Bubba. You get the rest of MLB season free. Highly recommend checking it out. Quantage.com. Promo code Bubba. Baseball free when you buy the NFL season pass. Also, if you give a rating and review on iTunes, I'd really appreciate it. It uh, means a lot to me. It takes a couple minutes out of your day. and really, really helps the podcast out when we get those ratings and reviews. With all that being said, welcome to Bench with Bubba, episode 204 with Derek Brown of thequantedge.com. Fantasy football draft strategy, tight end preview, and so so much more awesomeness. Back everybody to another episode of Bench with Bubba, episode two hundred four. Going to wrap up our fantasy football positional previews. We've done the quarterbacks, we've done the running backs, we've done the wide receivers. Now to the tight end position, which is really shallow but really deep. Depends on how you look at it. In order to break it all down, got a good buddy of mine. He works over with me at thequantedge.com and many other places. I'll let him fill you in on all those very shortly. You can find him on Twitter at dbro underscore ffb. Derek Brown, how we doing, man? What is going on, Bubba? Yeah, dude, I, I'm. Uh, when you hit me up, slid up into the DMs, you're like, hey, let's talk some tight ends. I was like, why the hell not, man? We got to get up in there. Yep, yes, we do. We got to get up in the tight ends and we got to check it out. So before we get into those and get some recent news, let everybody know where you got all your work at because you're a busy, busy man throwing out some great information. Oh, my gosh, man. Yeah, it's uh, the, the season is here. The grind is here. It is back. We are ready to go. I'm uh, pretty much balls deep right now in the preseason. Um, but past that, dude, yeah, I'll be rocking two articles a week over at the Quant Edge. And I've got uh, all my Dynasty stuff comes out of Gridiron Experts and Fantasy Data. And um, if things roll right, you might hear me uh, every now and then on Sirius this coming season. So Ooh. busy, busy, brother. So, yeah, yeah I mean, yeah, it's good stuff, man. It's always a good time to get on with those guys and get on their airwaves, and you just never know what's going to happen. <laughs> yep, that's the truth. You never know what's going to happen. So that'll be awesome. Keep I'll keep my lookout on that one to maybe get some Debro on the Sirius XM. That'll be awesome stuff. But like I, I've said it many times on my show, on many different shows I have, when I promote the Quant Edge, that the preseason product is wild, and Debro is one of the big reasons 
why the work he puts in over there, it's absolutely crazy. So I'm already chomping at the bit, looking forward to what he comes up with for week three. But uh, it's been some crazy, crazy stuff over there. I don't know how you do it, my man. But Dude, I, I, awesome I don't sleep, and it's a lot of caffeine. I'll tell you that damn much. Uh, <laughs> I mean that that first week of preseason, I think we had a, what an eleven game slate. I probably put uh, between me and Elliot put in, I'd say over twenty hours at least on beat writer reports and making sure that we had the most I comprehensive. I mean, Elliot wrote that thing up; it was over five thousand words. That there's nobody that's gonna yeah. everything else pales in comparison to what we're doing over at the Quant Edge. You know that, man. Yep, it's for true. It's for true. Like I told people, I told Elliot when he was on the show, I used to think preseason was an absolute joke to play DFS, and I haven't missed a slate now. And it's, I think I've cashed in all but like one. Like it's been, uh-huh. it's been awesome. So it's it's been well, well worth it. So I always tell people to check out thequantage.com. Really good stuff over there. Uh, let's get into some season long talk here. We'll talk some uh, some player news, just some great basic stuff as draft season's ramping up. There's gonna be a lot of drafts this weekend and next weekend. As preseason week three is going to start wrapping up here. Antonio Brown, he's filing another grievance on his helmet. The foot's apparently okay. He's fallen to like the third round of a lot of drafts. Just for you, where do you like to take Antonio Brown in drafts? Because I've talked to – I pretty much asked that question to every guest I've had on to talk football, and it varies so widely. So I want to get your opinion on where would you take Antonio Brown? I think – so last time I looked at ADP and 12-team PPR leagues, he was going at the 210. And I, I like you, I've, I've heard people saying that he's fallen into the third. If he falls into the third, I think he is de- – I mean, he's – he almost becomes an auto pick. I mean, it, it depends on who's in that third round. If Now, if you got like a Mike Evans that falls into that third round, then, of course, I'm taking Evans over him. But uh, Antonio Brown, regardless of how terrible Derek Carr is – it does not matter. He is going to get fed. He's going to play. I don't give a crap what he says, what happens with the helmet. The dude is all about his money. He's going to get paid, and he's got to play to get paid. He's not leaving that money on the table. And so he's suiting up. That's going to happen. And for me, at the basement, Antonio Brown, his skills are not diminished. He's a wide receiver one. Now, where do I have him? He's probably wide receiver between wide receiver 10 and 12 based off the day. So if he falls into the third, then I got to be pressing the draft button. Yeah, I'm with you there. If he falls into the third, it's a gift. If it's mid second round or above, I got to start looking at my options. I'm not saying mm-hmm. I'm not going to take them, but I got to start weighing out where am I going with my team? Where do I see this kind of playing out and go from there? Because he's very, very good. There seems to be something wrong upstairs with the boy, but um, we'll see. I, I still think he'll suit up, like you said. He'll play his games and they're going to feed him the rock over and over again. So the fact he's actually out there running drills now and practicing with the team, it's a big, big improvement from my episode last week. So th- things are pointing in the right direction for A.B., and they expect to get this helmet thing figured out, and they can move on from there. All right, let's talk Andrew Luck. This one is crazy. You know, about a month ago before we knew about all the injuries and everything, people are arguing with him as anywhere in the top three. Some people even wanted him higher than Patrick Mahomes. Some had him second. Some had him right behind Deshaun Watson. It varied so, so much. But now he just continues to drop, continues to drop. Right now, Fantasy Pros, Consensus ADPs has him sixth quarterback off the board. I've seen him, like, I've seen guys post some NFSC drafts. He's going after the 10th quarterback on the boards. It's all over the place right now. And it's tough to get a feel of when he's actually going to play. Debro, what are you doing with Andrew Luck? Oh, my gosh. I think at some point, I mean, you know, we all get on these podcasts and everybody that's in the fantasy community is all – I mean, it's almost like we, we get in drafts and we play chicken to see who's going to be the last guy to take a damn quarterback. You know, so people start talking quarterbacks, you're like, well, I'm not touching one to the ninth or tenth, so I'm not getting luck anyway. But, I mean, he is plummeting in drafts. Like, I'm looking on Fantasy Football Calculator right now, and <laughs> – it is a straight downturn. I mean, it looks like on July 29th, the dude was going at the beginning of the fifth round, and now he has fallen all the way to the eighth round. It's crazy. Dude, if he falls in the eighth round, I mean, that's kind of how I felt about Drew Brees last year. If I got Brees last year in the ninth, tenth round, I was just like, Boop, thank you. I'll take it all day. And, and that's kind of how I feel about luck. As long as he is – because – at some point, the draft cost that you're paying an opportunity, he still has in his range of outcomes. As long as he has two functioning legs that he could stand on behind a top three, top five offensive line, 
the guy still has in his range of outcomes with his arm alone because he didn't run last year. His running numbers plummeted in half under Reich last year. And so I don't care about his rushing because that that's not in the scope of what I'm looking at for him. I think they're going to be in a lot of games where they're going to have the lead and stuff like that. Does that mean they're going to stop throwing the ball? Not necessarily. They're going to still put up points. I don't see Reich taking his foot off the gas. And at some point, luck is an auto pick. And if he falls into the eighth and ninth round for me, a guy that still, I think, as long as, like I said, the health cooperates, the draft opportunity and the draft cost at that point for a guy in his range of outcomes to be the QB1 overall, you got to take him at that spot. Because even if he 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 flames out, he doesn't play, he's out until week six, at the eighth or ninth round, so what? You, you stream quarterbacks. That's fine. But you, if you can get the QB1 possibly overall in the eighth, ninth round, yeah, sign me up for that. If you were to take luck in the eighth or ninth round, you, you at this point in time, you have to like have a contingency plan, like you said. How soon would you be looking to grab that guy that you might have to start for the first few weeks? I mean, in all honesty, I, I'd be totally – I mean, we're probably the same same idea here. I'd be fine streaming. I got to pick up somebody off the waiver wire. Like, I mean, nobody's going to be drafting somebody – like, say, like, we're looking at week one, and the guy that just popped into my head is Matthew Stafford. If mm-hmm. – he's going up against the Cardinals. Their secondary is absolutely atrocious, terrible. You know, the Cardinals are going to try to run a lot of plays and the lions. Like if I get two touchdowns and like two twenty-five out of Stafford week one, if at that point, I mean, I'm fine with that. That production is totally fine with me for streaming a quarterback. But so, I mean, I'm okay with taking somebody off the waiver wire, depending on what type of league you're in or of that nature, Besides that, I mean, a lot of your 12-team leagues, other guys that you could stream walking into week one, whether it's your Sam Darnolds, whether it's uh, you're in a 10-team league or a 12-team league, and for whatever reason, I mean, there's a lot of leagues where like guys like Phillip Rivers are not going to be drafted. You have other guys that, like uh, we were talking about Carr, he's not going to be drafted. All of these guys are going to be able to have the ability. They might not be a sexy name, but they're going to give you streamable weeks. So I'll probably be looking at the waiver wire unless it's like a super flex league, which if it's super flex, I, I I can't say that I'd necessarily be pushing the button on Andrew Luck just because that's not the same case. You can't go to the waiver wire and grab yourself a quarterback there. Yeah. And that's the problem. It it drops the super flex, big difference there because you can't be taking that risk, but like you said, otherwise, standard leagues are so many. The quarterback position is so deep. There's guys you can roll the dice with early on. Or if you want to take a flyer super late, you don't have to take one early. Like Phillip Rivers is a big fan. I'm always a fan of Phillip Rivers. No one's drafting him right now. So you can grab guys like that. You mentioned Stafford. There's tons of options there that you can make it happen. Well, um, hell, even if you yeah. want to go with the way of, like, you draft Luck, he's not playing first week. There sure as hell is nobody that's going to be drafting Jacoby Brissett. So – He's got legs. He's in the same freaking offense. Who's to say he's not going to – because the last time we saw him on the field, that wasn't the same team. They didn't have the same skill players around him. So, fine, you draft luck, you pick up Jacoby Brissett and start in week one. That's a very valid point as well. Uh, let's go to the New England Patriots, speaking of Jacoby, Jacoby Brissett and previous uh, employment opportunities. He's back. He got reinstated by the NFL – uh, in recent drafts, he's going up around the, the 30th wide receiver off the board. He's gotten quite the bump since he's got – I know you did some work on him lately. What do you got on Josh Gordon? What's your thoughts on his fantasy impact this season? I, I mean, basically, the, the long and short of it is when Josh Gordon was on the field last year after he got starter snaps, he's a wide receiver too. I mean, his his uh, total points for weeks that he was – he got the like 60% or more of the snaps – his total points, he was wide receiver 24 points per game uh, amongst guys that in a nine-game sample that I looked at after he got the snaps. Amongst those guys that started five or more games, so you're looking at, I mean, they played half the games that Josh Gordon, because you're trying to exclude like those small sample variances, like one, two, three games, stuff like that. Josh Gordon was still in points per game. He was wide receiver 26. So I think, look, if you can get him – at a wide receiver three cost, I mean, whether that's the sixth round, seventh round, is the last time I looked at it, 
wide receiver 30 or 31 was going around the end of the sixth round, beginning of the seventh. You get him somewhere in that spot, because I think you have got a, a firm, I want to say a firm top 25-ish type of wide receivers that are sitting right now. Like Christian Kirk is probably the bottom end of that, that 25 where people just really love Arizona. And I know some of the Kyler hate has come out and maybe he falls below Josh Gordon, which is ridiculous, but Crazy. You know, if I can get him somewhere in that wide receiver three territory and I know that he's been when he's been on the field, he's made a huge difference in that Patriots offense. I mean, their explosive pass rate with Gordon on the field went from 14 to 20 percent yards per attempt, went up one uh, yard. I mean, it went from like 7.3 to 8.4 and the dude's a wide receiver two. And I'm getting the upside that's still there, even baked into a wide receiver three cost. (laughs) Sign me up. I, I'll, I will absolutely do that all day. I will do that every single draft. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Josh Gordon. When this reinstatement was tremendous, so I'm 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 pumped on it. I got him on a lot of best balls early on when no one wanted mm-hmm. him. Late round yeah. picks, and I was like, this dude's coming back, folks. Like he's Tom Brady doesn't practice with the guys for no reason. Stuff stuff's in the motion. Motion is happening, and um, Josh Gordon is back. So big fan of seeing him back on the field because. Whatever is off the field issues on on marijuana and everything, which I think let these guys smoke. That's just my opinion. But oh, um, yep. it's like they're getting brain damage for crying out loud. But uh, the talent is legit. So good stuff there. A couple running backs real quick. We can we can these don't have to go super deep. But Zeke Elliott, I expect him to play by week one. You never know. We've seen weird things happen. Right now he's the fourth running back off the board, but you see him go anywhere through that one through four. How are you approaching Zeke coming draft day? I think that uh, I had people sliding up the DMs talking about they have the the sixth and seventh picks in their first rounds, and if Zeke falls there, because I've seen it happen from screenshots and people with home leagues, and the fear is there. I mean, everybody that was burned to hell and back with Le'Veon Bell last year, I, I think that you could see him fall towards the not say the end of the first, but towards that sixth and seventh. And if he's there, I'm taking him. Like that is not even a, a question. I will take him. Now, when you draft Zeke in the first round, we all talk about safety and you talk about you, you want to make sure that you're not just burning a pick. I think that if you take Zeke, you're locking yourself in. And I am not a handcuff guy. Not. I, I do not draft handcuffs. But considering what we've seen, and you're talking about the range of outcomes, Bubba, like we can't rule out anything. Like you can't rule out this dude missing the whole freaking well, year. Look, look how valuable look how valuable James Connors was for those guys that picked him up. In the no shit, last year or whatever. Absolutely. Like, holy crap. <laughs> so that that's how that's how I'm approaching it. Like I will push the button on Zeke if he's there at the sixth or seventh or even the fifth or the fourth. I will push the button on Zeke, but knowing that when I do so, my eighth round pick is going to be Tony Pollard. Like that is okay. locked in. And I, I'm going to select him at the 8th because a lot of – at least the last time I looked at ADP, he was going in the 10th of the 11th. And we are talking about opportunity cost. At that point, you want to make sure that you are not just totally just airmailing and burning that first-round pick. And so screw it. Like, yeah, I'll reach two rounds above whatever ADP is, three rounds above ADP somewhere. I mean, I'll take him as early as the 7th or the 8th if I have to ensure that I'm not burning that first-round pick. Because if Zeke comes back week five, week two, if he starts week one, whew, it's – I mean, you're good to go. you got a top – I mean, he's – as long as he plays, he's on the field, he's still my number one running back. Like, yep. lock, set, and forget. It doesn't matter format. Like, I think that he's going to eat this year. And – at that kind of cost, at the seventh, eighth, ninth, you're you're grabbing Tony Pollard to ensure the safety of that first round pick. Which, if Pollard behind that offensive line, if Zeke is out, he's still a top fifteen, top twenty back. Like that's going to happen because they're not going to go committee wise. I don't see that happening. And and Alfred Morris was just signed just to sit there and rub rub it in Zeke's face. I mean, that's that's a Jerry Jones being a troll move all day. Um. Because, so, yeah, I will take Zeke uh, in the first round, wherever he falls. If he gets to me at, at four, five, six, seven, uh, yeah, I'm punching the button. Yeah, no, that, that seems like the logical move there. Now, the fun one, because I still think Zeke comes back. The thing is with Melvin Gordon, even reports out today, like, are coming out of 
Chargers camp that they're still so far apart that there's a very high likelihood Melvin Gordon misses parts of the season. And that's it's starting to look like it's going to get worse and worse there with the Chargers. He's still currently the 12th running back off the board around pick 23. So getting him late second round, early third round. But this has that kind of Le'Veon Bell feel. I know he has to come back or he loses a lot of money. But it's got that Lev Bell feel. What are you doing with Melvin Gordon? I was fading him to begin with before the contract stuff came out. I was – and you look at a guy that uh, I think off the top of my head two of the last three years he's basically been non-existent down the stretch. He's only played 16 games – I want to say once in the last three or four seasons. And he hasn't played full seasons, that's for sure. Yeah. I mean, I was fading him to begin with because if you look at how the offense operated last year, I want to say they were they were top five in targets to the running back position last year. That's not going to repeat. Like, will not repeat. Like, Mike Williams' ascension, Hunter Henry being back, uh, you know, maybe they get a few more targets if the Keenan Allen injury lingers. But as it stands right now, I was fading Gordon to begin with based off of injury history, uh, the targets regressing from the running back position. I still felt like Austin Eckler was still going to be involved in that offense. And so considering I was already fading him, and now with all of this, he's pretty much I, – I, I don't care where he's at in drafts. If he's in the third round, I'm still not drafting him. I look at him as – and I know that there's a little bit of hyperbole attached to this, but – I look at him because there's a lot of stuff that's come out there, and I, unless I'm absolutely wrong about this, he has to come back and play somewhere around like week eight, week ten, somewhere like that. Yep, that, that's what I'm saying, yeah, week ten. And if that's the case, which like you're talking about, everything I've read kind of says that, that, and like I said, hyperbole with this, he's basically the sexier, more expensive version of Kareem Hunt because we know Hunt's out for eight games. And I'm, not, I'm not touching the butt button on Hunt. I'm not drafting Hunt, and I'm not drafting Gordon. I will absolutely go in a totally different direction. With uh, Not only that, the third-round running backs this year, usually third-round running backs are where it's nasty deal. Like last year, it was like your Alex Collins and all these other guys that were absolute landmines. This year, dude, I think the third and fourth-round running backs, like that is the meat and potatoes. Third-round running backs are where is going to swing and I think win a lot of people their leagues this year. That is where I'm loving the running back position this year. I think that the upside is there for a lot of those players. So I, I don't want any Gordon. Yeah, I'm with you. A couple of things there, like when you said about Hunt and Gordon, if you basically say you're going to lose a guy for the first 10 weeks, so you got to hold a guy on a roster. And by week 10, you might already be out of the season when you could have used that roster spot. There's so many things that kill you right there. And then secondly, like you said with running backs, it this year more than any, and it's funny, I haven't seen a bunch of Twitter love about it, you can go full zero running backs in your first two or three rounds even if you want to because that round three, four, five wheelhouse, especially in the PPR league, there's so much depth there. And it seems like the wide receiver position drops off pretty good after the top you know, X amount, but where running backs just get stronger and stronger. So I'm with you. There's, there's a ton. Like right after Gordon, you got Damian Williams, Leonard Fournette, on Johnson, so on and so forth. The list just keeps going on and on, so it, it's deep. And uh, as much as I enjoy Melvin Gordon and what he does when he's on the field, it, it's really tough to take that gamble. And I think he's going to sit out as long as he can because he wants that money, and the Chargers are not wavering at all. Well, so, Bubba, before we, we move on to um, next topics, there are two definitive camps I kind of feel like right now. You're either in the Austin Eckler camp or you're in the Justin Jackson camp. If you got to pick one – Gun to your head, which dude are you rolling with right now? It's Austin Eckler for me. Uh, two reasons. Okay. One, even if Gordon comes back, Eckler's still very valuable. He's like a um, – a uh, not not quite a James White, but uh, he, he's got that pass-catching ability. He's still going to play like 33-plus percent of snaps. He's going to get his. Um, if it's just him and Jackson, we saw the rolls when Gordon was out last year. Eckler still got the bulk of the load. Jackson's very, very good. In a non-PPR league, Jackson, I think, has more value. In PPR, where most people, I think, exist nowadays, Eckler just has such a, a big game-changing ability when you get him in the open field in the pass-catching game that I'm a huge Eckler fan. Okay. And, and see, I, I ask this because there I, there are a lot of people out there that are Eckler guys. See, I'm a, I'm a Jackson guy because I'm taking the approach. Um, it, it, it's trying to true every year. People talk about New England backs. Take the cheapest guy. And Justin That's Jackson, true. ADP-wise, is so cheap. And I 
I think that the other thing out of this is he's he's damn near close, if not as good as Austin Eckler in the passing game. And so I think he could play both phases just like Eckler, but you're getting him. I, I haven't looked at his ADP lately, but right, you're getting right him. Now he's, right now he's picked 162. Yeah, so what the – I mean, even in a 12th uh, yeah. team, he's – he's still, what, 14 12? or so. Yeah, yeah 14, 14 compared around. to – where's Eckler going? Eckler Six, is – he keeps climbing up every time you go and look at him. Um, where did he go? Austin Eckler. He's picked 72 right now. So, like, late round six, early round seven. Yeah, and so for me, double the ADP. I'm, I'm going to swing with Jackson there. I, I just – I think that he can handle load. Yeah, I don't hate that at all because I guys like, he does look very very good when he's out there, and that's a good point you make because if Gordon comes back, say say you're taking one of these guys and he comes back by week five, well, okay, you, you originally thought okay week ten or nothing. Now week five, you lost a lot of value, but if you got Justin Jackson so late, you really didn't spend a ton on it, so it doesn't kill you. Um, lots of ways to look at it. So yeah, I don't think you can go wrong either way. Bottom mm-hmm. line is I want no Melvin Gordon and. Um, it's it's going to be scary to see how that actually plays out for the Chargers. Let's go on to the tight end position. This is an interesting position, very top heavy, and then it gets real mucky after that. But uh, I think the takeaway number one, at least for most, maybe you differ, but Travis Kelsey, he's the the guy with the bullet for many. Some people are reaching early for him. Uh, he won't last through your second round. I'll tell you that much. But some first rounders are are grabbing Travis Kelsey. Um, he's a game changer, D bro. What's your thoughts on Kelsey? I think Kelsey is a bit, he's basically a Gronk now. I, yeah. There's no way I, I don't look at it any other way. And if you look at across positional value, just if you look at uh, both points per game and total points and total points, Kelsey was the RB six last year and the wide receiver nine and total points and points per game. He was the RB nine and wide receiver 10. Either way, He's at a position where there is just a ridiculous amount of scarcity. And I like the tight end position more than uh, in previous years. I actually like it a lot this year. And But I will not fault anybody, anybody, for taking Travis Kelsey in the first round. Like, I don't necessarily like the way that my teams kind of look when I go that route. But if anybody wants to do it, considering how much this dude is going to ball out this year and how much he has – I, I won't fault anybody with that. Like, I, I can absolutely get behind him going in the first round. Yeah, he's another Gronk. He's a wide receiver one. Uh, he, he fits in by season's end. He'll fit into the mold of that whole, you know, Hopkins, Julio, Devontae, as crazy as it sounds. He'll be right around there, maybe just outside. But he's going to be darn close to that in production with that offense and, and the workload he gets. So, yeah, I got no problem with him going. If you want to gamble on him, knock yourself out. Uh, the next two guys, it's kind of like they say there's the big three, Kelsey's one, and there's the next two. And I, I've, I've heard it go back and forth. And if you look at drafting, you know, they do the consensus ADP. And between all the leagues, they either go second or third, but it's pretty fluctuated. You got Zach Ertz, you got George Kittle. How do you differentiate the two? For me, so Travis Kelsey and is a tier, he's in a tier by himself. For me, I put George Kittle in a tier by himself as well, and then the next two guys are in their own tier. And so I'm I'm firmly on, on George Kittle being tight end too. I feel like with Shanahan's offense, George Kittle, if you look at it, he was just ridiculously unlucky as far as t- touchdowns went last year. I think Shanahan, they're going to pass the ball more this year. Seven of his 11 years, they were top 10 in passing attempts last year. They were 20th. I think that all comes down to the fact that they were rolling out second and third string quarterbacks. And don't come at me with Big Nick as a better quarterback <laughs> than Jimmy G. I don't want to hear it like from anybody on Twitter. It, regardless, like all of that bullshit about Jimmy G and how he played la- the other night. If anybody's watching the damn game, he had guys staring him in the face in less than two seconds. Like the offensive line is hurt. They were rolling out second-string offensive line players, and the deep, the Broncos were eating them alive. Joe Staley, like, got I mean, he got his lunch eaten by Chubb on a few of those snaps. So I'm not fading Jimmy G, and considering that, I'm not fading Kittle. I think that, yes, all the, the yards after catch is not reproducible, but if you look at George Kittle 
and where he succeeded. And we talk about the Quan Edge and stuff. You sign up for it, and you go over there, and you check out the wide receiver cornerback tool, which also includes tight ends. George Kittle was a monster. He was way better as an inline tight end, and he played more in line than any than your Kelsey or your Ertz. He played 55% in line. He was better in line. And with them having better weapons around him, I think he gets less time in the slot, more time in line this year, which for me is wheels up. Uh, so, like I said, passing attempts are going to go up. The quarterback play is going to be better. If he plays more in line where she, he is more successful last year at, <laughs> yeah, it's it's all George Kittle was tied in too. There, when it comes like to the Jimmy G hate, people need to realize also that's like his first live game action since mm-hmm. his injury. So, like, let's let's pump the brakes a little bit here. <laughs> like, like, I think the boy's going to be just fine. It might you know take a little bit to knock the rust off, but he'll be. Bubba, That's this is fine. reaction season. This is knee-jerk season. This is the season where people oh, see, like, one one video or they see, like, one, like, small, like, dude plays, like, 10 snaps, and they're like, ah! Either they're freaking out or they're loving yeah. the guy. So I just – Twitter is a, is a fun time. It's, oh, it's, it's crazy. one of these it's streets wild. right now. <laughs> yeah, it, it's wild. It's wild, my friend. Like, all the, uh, the, the Kansas City backfield love got a little clearance because Carlos Hyde just got moved down the depth chart. Darwin uh, – uh, Darwin uh, Thompson just took him over. So that's big uh, over there in Kansas City. But you mentioned Zach Ertz is in your third tier. I'm guessing with O.J. Howard. Oh, you better believe it, buddy. Okay, so how do you how do you separate these two then? So really it comes down to I will take O.J. Howard in more, more drafts than I will Zach Ertz because I think the, the draft cost is, is lower. In the sense that in a lot of drafts, I haven't looked at his ADP recently, but I mean, I'm in two drafts right now where I took OJ Howard and I got him in the sixth. And a lot of different times I've seen him go in the fifth. And Zach Ertz is never going to make it to that point. And if I have both these guys in the same tier, which everybody's just done laps and talked about Ertz, about is he going to regress? I absolutely believe that. Better weapons, well, not even better weapons, weapons around him, let's put it that way. Because all they had last year was Ertz and Jeffrey and a bunch of misfit pieces. And they were not able to, one, stretch the field or open up any other options in that passing game for the Eagles. So with Deshaun Jackson there, you have Mac Hollins is still healthy. He's going to get some targets himself. So is Jackson. So is Aguilar. So is Whiteside. There's so many more. There's more players that are going to demand targets in that offense. So he is going to regress. There's no two parts about it. But with O.J. Howard, this is a guy that's got a na- – that target tree is so narrow in Tampa Bay. You got three dudes. You got Godwin, you got O.J. Howard, and you got Evans. And they're going to throw the damn ball because their offensive line is total trash. They can't run the ball, much less the guys in that backfield are trash as well. So, I mean, they could lead the league in passing attempts this year. They could lead the league in passing yards this year. Their their defense is garbage. They're going to be playing catch-up. Winston is going to be aggressive and throw the ball down the field. We know what Arians likes to do. In the separation of those two different guys, I'm going to end up with O.J. Howard way more. I actually think my exposure to Zach Ertz this year is pretty much nil because – I look at him and O.J. Howard in the same breath, but I can get uh, basically get Ertz uh, two, three rounds later than Ertz. Yeah, that's what's the beauty of Howard. I'm a big fan. I was on, I was a fan of his last year. Just never really worked out, and the, the talent level is just ridiculous. The athleticism of O.J. Howard, and you mentioned it in that offense. Bruce Arians knows how to draw things up. The weapons, they're going to be very concentrated, like you said, to, to two or three options there uh, with Evans, Godwin, and um, Howard. There's a ton to like there. Kittle's a hell of a receiver, but you got OJ Howard in that offense, and you're like you said, you're getting you're getting Howard two to three rounds after Hertz. Like that's just that's a big boy savings right there. You get some of those running backs we talked about in rounds three or four, mm-hmm. the pounce on OJ Howard and voila, you got a hell of a start to a roster right there. I think there's a ton to like there. I'm with you hundred percent on that one. Uh for me. And I could be totally wrong. You're the uh, you're much more of an expert at this than I am. You got Evan Ingram and, and Hunter Henry are the next two that come off the board. To me, after those two, 
it's kind of like a, a, a good tear break where a drop off happens. Like for me, a drop off happens. Maybe I'm overanalyzing this, but I got Ingram and Henry the next two. What do you have going on there? I have um, Ingram, Henry, and there's another player that I'm pushing the button every single time. And actually, some stuff came out about him today. Let me guess. And I... <laughs> go ahead. Is, go it the, ahead. Is, is it the Vance dance? Oh, it's dancing all the time. We got the disco lights going, Bubba. <laughs> I'm not going to stop dancing all damn year. I'm going to be stiff arming fools left and right when I get him in drafts. I I love Vance McDonald, and I put him in that same tier. Like, I've had to come off the ledge and talk myself back from just going full YOLO and, and just taking the pants off and just running butt naked around the neighborhood. Um, <laughs> I, I love Vance McDonald this year. Uh, I like Evan Ingram. You worry about the quarterback play with the Giants. I, I think that he will be their field stretcher. Evan Ingram is a boss. I was fading him last year because of just what they had going on in New York. And I think that Shermer is going to run the offense through guys that can make plays. And I, we've seen Evan Ingram. It, I think that their ideas of trying to make him this inline tight end to block, all those ideas are, are, are out the window. And I think that Shermer, if he doesn't do anything this year, he could be coaching for his job this year too. If they, I mean, if they just absolutely just crap the bed, which they're not going to be a good team, but considering it, I still like Evan Ingram. I still like Hunter Henry. We're talking about just divvying up targets. And as much as I like Hunter Henry, you still have really good players around him. I mean, you have Eckler, you have Jackson, you got Keenan Allen there, Mike Williams, much less you're going to take deep shots with Travis Benjamin. I there's a lot more competition for targets with the chargers. Now can Henry ball out and be a top five guy just based off a touchdown equity alone? Because if you look at how he started his career, it's very similar to two top top end tight ends where we've seen over the first three years of their career, Zach Ertz and and Greg Olson, Henry's per game averages compared to those three player. I mean, to those two other guys in the first three years of their career, he's right in line with them. So the talent's there. I just worry about his competition and for targets. And that's the reason why I put Vance McDonald in that same freaking tier is because Vance McDonald, people are taking their shots on Dante Moncrief, which you need a barf bag if you draft that dude. James Washington, who didn't show anything in his first year. They talk, I mean, look, I get it. He's balling out in the preseason. He took on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers second string quarterbacks <laughs> I can run past those dudes like you've got to be kidding me like I'll strap on my new balances and run past those dudes do my five <laughs> mid fives 40 like no I love it. no I love it. like I no love it. Uh, you know so I firmly believe with the targets that are there on the table behind Juju that James Conner is going to get his and Vance McDonald is going to get his. I think Vance McDonald is the number two option in that passing offense, and that's why he's firmly in this same tier with Evan Ingram and Hunter Henry for me. Do you have Vance McDonald ahead of Hunter Henry and Evan Ingram? It depends on the day, Bubba. Um, <laughs> I, I have. I, I've I've been bouncing him around. He's – been anywhere from fifth to seventh based off the day and what's going on now if Keenan Allen has more issues if the ankle lingers if Gordon stays out then Chargers are gonna lean more on the pass and that puts Henry a tad bit above uh, just a shade above Vance McDonald but if you see Allen come back Gordon comes back things like that I, I, I'm going to put Vance above him. I think for me, it's, I, I have Evan Ingram behind those two guys because I, you know, I'm not, it's the preseason. I'm not fully sold on Daniel Jones. I, Eli Manning, we know what he is. He's, he's Eli Manning. He's sling, he's sling blade. Yeah, basically. I mean, he, he's, he's terrible. And so it, Ingram is not going to surpass those two guys. It just depends on what you know what happens in the Chargers passing offense to where I lean versus Vance McDonald and all that stuff. Let's let me get some clarity on some Vance stuff here. That all that stuff that came out today about he's not going to be an every down tight end. He's not going to play every snap. Well, 
No shit. Let's just throw that out there. No shit. Like, considering his injury history, that's fine. I don't want him to play 100% of the snaps. It's totally fine. I'm not looking for him to be the Christian McCaffrey of freaking tight ends. What I care about, you could put Grimble in there. You could put Gentry in there and let those fools run block. That's fine. Stick Vance on the field every single time they're going to pass the damn ball and let him play 60, 70% of the snaps. Give me that all day. That doesn't mean anything to me. And if anybody's going to fade based off of that article coming out, <laughs> give yep. me all the Vance. G- give me every share of Vance you got. I-, I will take him. I'm taking him right now. And if his ADP falls, it's auto pick. Yeah, you nailed it. It's like, okay, we don't need him on the field when they're not passionate. We want him on the field when they're passionate. I don't care how, how many times that is, but if they pass it 45 times a game and he's on the field for those 45 times, good good with you. So it's it's pretty – Pretty simple stuff there, and you nailed it there because people don't, you know, they're not uh, they're simpletons. They don't break it down to the, the to that kind of level of common sense. And, well, even uh, even the people that are on Twitter, you know, like Adam Levitan put out a tweet a few days ago. It was talking about like first team reps, and Vance McDonald played every single snap. So they'll look at that and they'll say, okay, in my mind's eye, I remember seeing that, and he's an every guy. He played every down. Now he's not going to play every down. And they yeah. just they press the panic button. I mean, we talked about it. this is knee-jerk season. And those are the edges that you can get in drafts right now when those things got come out and people look at it and they're like, but a few days ago he played every snap. Now he's not going to play every snap. Oh, i got to fade him. I have to fade him. I can't press the fade button fast enough. Yeah, what are we going to do? <laughs> it's, it's crazy. <laughs> but um, so you got those seven tight ends that kind of run the, the top seven gambit for you. Before we get into the rest, because it's kind of a it's a mixed bag, is the best way I can say mm-hmm. it to you, brothers. Definitely talent down here, but it's it, it's not sexy. It's not like, hey, I really want to go get these guys. You can convince yourself many different ways. And before we get to them, you you got seven guys there. Are you trying to leave a, a draft with one of these seven, or are you just like, you know what? If they fall, they fall. If not, I'll, I, I'm cool with with punting and, and grabbing someone late. It so. If they fall to me, I will take any one of these seven in in a draft. But there are two guys that I'm getting so many shares at the end of drafts because the old man tight end gets no freaking love that it's either – if one of these guys falls to me, that's fine. I will will draft them. But if people reach, if they don't get to me, if they get sniped, then that's fine. There are two guys at the end of drafts that I'm absolutely willing to rock as my tight end one all day, every day. All right, we'll, we'll get to that here in a minute then. Uh, let's talk about – we're going to do some kind of debates. on. I'm just going down ADP, guys that are kind of linked close to each other. You got Jared Cook. He's in New Orleans. People want him to be something more than he was in Oakland. Now they're saying, okay, he's got a real quarterback and a real offense. He's going to be great. Yeah, we'll see. Still Jared Cook. Let's, let's grain of salt that one for a minute. You got Eric Ebron coming off a monster year in Indianapolis. Doyle was out for a lot of that year. He's supposed to be back this year. Ebron still will probably be very good, but he's going to be sharing more of the load on paper, sharing more of the load than he was last year. If you got to kind of compare those two guys, how do you differentiate Jared Cook and Eric Ebron? I will lean Cook um, almost every single time because – if you look at the New Orleans passing offense, and everybody talks about them being more run heavy, and that's that's legit. Like that that has happened. But if you also put any kind of stock in the narrative, if you go over to Warren Sharp, uh, his page on Twitter, and look at some of his stuff, and was talking about what happened to Drew Brees last year, and I firmly believe it because if if we're talking about DFS, if you were a guy that was rocking some Ted Ginn in the playoffs, and you were looking for some Drew Brees love in those first playoffs, and they take that first shot downfield, and Drew Brees underthrows him, which is weird because his deep ball is still there, and you're kicking yourself because you don't see another deep target to gain the rest of the game. I think there's something to the fact after Brees took a huge hit in the regular season, he wasn't the same guy. And does it fall in line and it's nice and neat that, oh, New Orleans is so run-heavy and blah, 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 blah. Let's fade all the pass catchers except for Michael Thomas. Uh, That's fine. But the other side of that is I do believe that there's something there about Breeze. And if you look at the the tight end position for New Orleans, I'm not expecting him to be the next coming of Jimmy Graham. So let's get that out of the way. That that, that, that narrative hopefully is dead, and if it's not, it needs to be dead. 
But if you look at the passing offense for New Orleans, 2015 to 2018, when they had Kobe Fleener, Ben Watson, who had healthy stretches in there, when they, they each basically had one healthy season. When they had their healthy seasons in 2015, Watson drew 110 targets, Fleener at 81 in 2016. I think Jared Cook is firmly going to get 80 targets this year. I think that that is lock, set, and forget. If he gets above that 80 target mark, which I'm projecting, he'll be a top 10 guy. And I lean him over Ebron because, dude, if Jack Doyle is there, you can go on Twitter. You can search Eric Ebron and my handle. Looking at when they were both on the (laughs) field last year, the Jack Doyle was the ever-down tight end, and Eric Ebron vanished. Vanished. His yep. routes dried yep. up. He had half as many targets. I mean, the guy was just non-existent. Eric Ebron dominated last year because there was a vacuum and there was nobody else to catch the damn ball from Andrew Luck. And it, much less if you even play into any of the Luck concerns into this with Jacoby Brissett. If they go, they lean more on the run, or Jacoby Brissett, who is not Andrew Luck, is just not as good, then it makes it – there's a firm delineation between those two players. And so it's, it's cook over Ebron for me. Yeah. I'm hundred percent on board there. I was, I was preaching it last year and it looked like Doyle was getting healthy for a second. I was like, people grab him, play him in DFS, whatever you want. Cause Ebron is not the same guy. I was hundred percent on board with you there. Mm-hmm. He just couldn't stay healthy. Like there was no other option. Like you said, he had to get the damn ball. That was the only way that Ebron was going to get it. And he took advantage of it. Like you got to give him the props where credit where credit's due. But at the same time, it's like, let's cool our Jets here, folks. It's Eric Ebron, the guy that couldn't get it done with Matthew Stafford for all those years. So um, let's see what happens. I think Doyle, if if healthy, is not a bad gamble late in the draft. But we can talk oh, about dude, that I've got so many best ball shares of Doyle. Like, uh, yeah, so I much exposure. I don't hate that at all. I know, like, in a lot of drafts, I finished non-best ball. When I got done, I went straight to the waiver wire to do my watch list, and Doyle's on every one of them. Like, okay, in case yep. anything random happens to a tight end, you're next. It's, it's every one of those best ball drafts where you grab that top tight end. My tight end two is pretty much locks it and forget. A lot of times it's it's Doyle and there's two other guys that are hanging out at the end of drafts. No, that's a good move. I like that quite a bit. Okay, that's how fun was a couple of young guys here. David and Joku of the Cleveland Browns. People were hoping for big things last year. We got kind of mixed results, maybe a next step this year. And then you got uh, Austin Hooper, who showed signs of life throughout his career, but not a lot of consistency. Still a very, very dynamic offense with Matt Ryan and company there. How do you differentiate these two? I I mean, they're, they're pretty much in the same tier for me. If I got to lean one of them, it's probably going to be uh, David Njoku. Um and it's not by much. I mean, granted, it's not by much. But if you look at the passing offense for the Browns, they're going to put up points this year. Baker Mayfield's going to take his shots downfield. That is my dude. And I, I like Njoku considering you have Todd Munkin coming there. If you look at how he used O.J. Howard last year, he used him deep down the field. And Njoku was used in that way. After Freddie Kitchens took over, his volume went down. But his yards per reception climbed over the second half of the season. So if you marry the way that Kitchens used Njoku, which is directly in line with how Munkin uses the tight end, I think that there's not going to be a lot of target volume for David Njoku. But I think that he's going to have spike weeks. And that's really kind of all you're chasing at that point with the tight ends. You're looking for spike weeks. You're looking for touchdowns. He's in a great offense. That's going to happen. Hooper's the guy that I, I don't, I think he's going to be a top 12 guy, but it's never going to be some guy that like, it's not a sexy pick and and he's really close to like, all right, screw it. I might just stream the position. And if you look at last year and I, I get that they've got a new offensive coordinator and cutter, but if you look at how cutter runs his offense, he runs it primarily through the top two tight ends. When he was previously in Atlanta, it all went through Julio and Roddy white. They have those top two wide receivers this year as well in Calvin Ridley and Julio and I think that the passing offense is going to go through Ridley and Julio I think that you're going to see Hooper contending for that second I mean that third to fifth spot in the target tree with Devontae Freeman or Muhammad Sanu and his splits last year which again it's a new offense and I'm not putting credence in projecting him forward this year but he had massive splits last year if you look at him versus like top half of the league and DVOA versus tight ends 
versus bottom half of the league. The splits were huge in how much volume and what he did. And he's basically a matchup play. So I'll get my exposure of Hooper more likely in DFS than I will in any redraft stuff. He's more of just probably he's close to that streamer category for me. Yeah, and that's the thing. Hooper does have really good streaming options throughout the season. There's no hiding that at all. You know, doing mm-hmm. DFS and everything, there's going to be some awesome matchups where Hooper's just going to go nuts. There's no hiding that at all. And again, we'll keep pumping the quant edge here. That's where that, that uh, wide receiver quarterback tool comes in quite handy because they can exploit the heck out of that with Austin Hooper. Um, but in Joku, I'm with you. I was big on him last year. I, I think I kind of I jumped on the hype train. <laughs> I really wish there was more to him, but with all the, the the weapons they have there, it's hard to fall too in love there. So probably two guys I won't have much of, period. A uh, couple old-timers coming up here. you got Delaney Walker with Tennessee, and it's such a mess in Tennessee. I'm just going to say it now. Mariota might not be starting. Ryan Tannehill might be the starter. Like, it's just DEFCON 5 already in Tennessee. Um, but then you got Jordan Reed. And Jordan Reed's that guy that went on the field is amazing. Key words, went on field. So what are you doing with these two guys? Because it's either you find a way to convince yourself to like them, or you're like, you know what? I'm just going to move on to the next group. So I keep referencing the two old guys at the end. And the two old guys at the end that I'm lumping together, it's not Jordan Reed. It's Delaney Walker and Greg Olson. I think Olson's Jordan Reed. A guy, Olson's a guy I have a ton of. I'm a big fan so, of So, so much. Like, we're just going to skip there for a second. We'll come back to Delaney Walker. How the hell? Just Greg Olson. I know he was banged up last year, Dude. but it's still Greg freaking Olson. I don't get it. Who's like Cam it. Newton's favorite <laughs> target in the world, especially in the red zone. How does no one want to draft him? Where's he going right now? Like, because I get Pick it. Pick 145. He, Pick 145. He's, he's like, every time I get into the 12th and 13th round, it's like, all right, where's Olson? I get him every single draft. Dude, I got him in Scott Fishbowl. I got him in August. It's the best balls, and I'm still getting him, and I don't understand it, man. I I don't know if it's the hype train for for Curtis Samuel and DJ Moore and the foot issues and stuff, but at that spot, mm-hmm. all of the injury risk is baked in. He's yep. a free square. He's going undrafted in a lot of drafts. Oh, it's ridiculous. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. Like I just I have so much Craig Olson, and I will continue. He plays a role in that t- in that offense that nobody else does. Even Ian Thomas. Olsen has two to three inches of height and wingspan on that man. And there is nobody else of the same size of consequence in the red zone. You want to talk about rapport with Cam Newton. He is going to have a red zone role. And we talk about tight ends. The touchdowns are going to be there. So if you believe that the health is possibly there. There's upside for days, even if they they limit his volume. He's a top 12 guy. If they don't, if he gets more volume than we're looking at right now, and he goes back to the days of old, he, he's got top five upside. Like, it's there in his range of outcomes, and he's a free square at the end of drafts. 12th, 13th round, if you're not looking at Greg Olson, I don't know what the hell you're doing in drafts. Like, I don't get it. Yeah, it's banana lands. So, I'll let you go back to Delaney <laughs> Walker now. Give your Delaney Walker. I, 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 people, we did not talk about any of this beforehand. And, and Greg Olson is a guy I've just been – I'm flabbergasted. I really am. Like, why are you taking – I take him – like, okay, I'd say I have him as, like, my eighth or ninth fighter on the board. Like, honest to God, no BS. Like, that's the guy I'd have after, like, the big six or seven, probably after your Vance dance. I'd mm-hmm. have Greg Olson move up there pretty high for me. He's uh, he's somewhere in – I haven't looked at my ranks lately. I mean, he's – after that top – put it this way. After the top seven, you can make a, Gre- a case for Greg Olson at eight. Like, that, that's, a, yep. that's an easy case. Like, yep, that, not even hard to make. Mm-hmm. All right, now give me your case for uh, Delaney Walker. Delaney Walker, it, it, the fact remains is that they're – look, I put no stock in rookie wide receivers. So, A.J. Brown, as much as you like him in a prospect, it, there there are a, a few simple facts in redraft. And it comes down to you fade rookie wide receivers and you fade rookie tight ends. You do both of those things and you just avoid them about 99% of the damn time you're going to be fine. 
unless there's some like absolute perfect storm and you get an Evan Ingram type of rookie season or you get one of these studs. Because if you look at the, the 2014 class and wide receivers, all of the studs there after that, there's been one dude every single year that goes past 800 yards and six touchdowns. So you fade rookie wide receivers, you fade rookie tight ends. And that you look at the Tennessee offense, as long as Delaney Walker jumps back with health, like we're talking about Greg Olson, he's a guy that's put up the numbers every single time, every single year. And as shitty as Mariota is, Tannehill's there too. Yep. Both of those guys, it, between the two of them, there's one healthy guy between the two of them for 16 <laughs> games. That's, I mean, that's really what you got. Like, yep. you know, I, I think between the two of them, you're going to get 16 games of competent, decent quarterback play. And that's all I'm looking for Delaney Walker to pay off on his draft cost, which he's a free square as well. And so it's not A.J. Brown. We've seen Corey Davis flash, but he's not done anything consistently. I think that if Mariota's there, the rapport is there. He's going to look for Delaney Walker. And while Father Time eventually catches up to us all, at the spot where you're getting Delaney Walker at the end of drafts, you can stick the middle finger straight in Father Time's face because he's free. So it doesn't matter. I love it. I love it. Yep, I'm a big fan. Um, as a big baseball guy that I am, I, I talked to, I think it was actually Joey P. We were talking, mm-hmm. previewing the um, – AFC East and NFC East way back like a month or two ago. And we got on one of the tight ends in one of those divisions. It might have been Ertz or somebody along the lines. And it got into the tight end debate about how deep the position is, depending on what you want to do. And we started comparing it to uh, the closers position in baseball. You have like three elite guys and then a bunch of what the hell. So just like take the value where it lies and Delaney Walker, Greg Olson. This is the value with tremendous upside and you just run with it. it. Like a lot of these guys are either like free late in a draft or don't even get drafted. It is that bananas. Cause once you get past like the Austin Hoopers of the world, the top 10 or 11 guys, it's literally, it's kind of, who do you like? Cause there's the Laney, there's Jordan Reed, there's Greg Olson. Uh, there's Kyle Rudolph, Trey Burton, Mark Andrews, Jimmy Graham. People still love. So there's a lot of guys that people like will convince themselves is worth the pick. And then there's the guys that have proven it time and time again, and have an okay spot, have a good floor with upside, like a Walker, like an Olsen. It makes too much sense, Debro, but not enough people are doing it. No, and they're not. And you asked me earlier, how am I approaching tight ends and drafts? And it really comes down to this. I'm, I have a very small player pool of guys that I usually draft because just the way the drafts usually fall. And it's either, a lot of times... I either pay up for one of the top three, I go O.J. Howard, I go Vance, or I just wait and I take Delaney Walker or Greg Olson at the end. And because at the other ADPs that I find all these other guys in, I either find other guys that I like at the running back or wide receiver position. But those, basically those five or six tight ends, I've got so much exposure, it's ridiculous because that's the way that drafts have been falling for me. And those are the guys that I like at those spots in the draft. So it's the top three, it's OJ Howard, it's Vance, and it's really Walker and Olsen. And that's where, like, I think if I were to look over best ball, look over redraft, I look over everything, all my leagues, my exposure is so heavily weighted at those spots. I love it. I love it. But see, that's, that's the beauty of, and that's what people need to do when they draft, not just tight ends, just draft is you need to have your player pool. Like, what are you going into a draft going, these are my guys. Like, I'm not going to get all my guys, but I have a big enough list where if I do things right and I have it broken down, you know, by tiers or by draft slots or whatever you do to make yourself comfortable, you get your guys. You get the minutia out of the way ahead of time. Yes. Like, you, walk, you walked in there going, I'm taking these four guys. I'm not going to be tempted by, like, oh, crap, okay, this dude fell two rounds, but he's not one of my guys. But, hey, he fell two rounds. No, stick to your guns. He's not one of your guys. Don't do it. Go, go to your wide receivers. Go to your running backs. One of those guys is probably there. That's the biggest problem least I see, and you do it as a lot more than I do. That's the problem a lot of these people have is they say, like, after a draft's over, man, I didn't want this guy. Well, then why the hell did you take him? I think it's either that one of two things happens. The the timer runs down, they're like, ah! Who do, yeah, who do that's I get? very true. Or it's it's playing this, this, this game of chicken, which is, I mean, honestly, it's stupid to me, of – but I could get him six picks later. Uh, maybe I could get him a round later. And they play these games of 
what 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 can I do with my home league and and can I rub it in somebody's face of I got this guy around later than his ADP? Okay, I am firmly like you're talking about Bubba. I'm on team hashtag get your guy. Like get the guys you believe in that you've done the research, you've taken the time and you look at, and you go into the draft and you say I'm getting this dude. Screw ADP, screw this kind of stuff. Now, I'm not taking saying take Greg Olson in the freaking first round. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is if your dude is sitting out there and you're like, shit, I'm he's not gonna get back to me. He won't get back to me. Like, or I'm I'm playing with fire here. Get your guy. Draft the guy. I don't give a shit if anybody's like laughs through their damn teeth that you took a guy in the seventh round that's going in the ninth round. Because guess what? At the end of the season, when you believe firmly in that guy, you got him on your roster, who the hell is going to be laughing? It's, it's going to be you when you hoist the trophy because you're like, look, I told all you fools that this guy was going to ball out. I told you that he was going to be awesome. And then you rub it in their damn faces and more. <laughs> preach, brother. Preach. <laughs> that is outstanding stuff, you bro. Like, I'm 100% on board with you. Um it's just it's a shame that not, not enough people understand that philosophy, which really shouldn't be a philosophy. It should be the way. It's a pretty simple strategy uh, there. Um, but it's torn, and that's why, you know, that's why we can win fantasy leagues. So. Oh, it's, it's, it's easy money sometimes, but I don't yeah, know what to go, say, man. You go on some drafts, you're like, that just happened. Yep, yes, it did. All right. Um, <laughs> before we wrap it up, we, that was a great detour there. Um, I'm not going to ask. Uh, it's going to be more of an open-ended question here. So we've gone through, you know, 13, 14, 15 tight ends right now. There's a slew of them down below. Again, some guys will get drafted. Some guys will be on your waiver wire. You know, Kyle Rudolph, Trey Burton, Andrews. You mentioned Doyle, Witten's out there. Darren Waller, the popular name in Oakland. There's so many options down there. What are some guys that you're just keeping an eye on? Because we know who you're drafting. Now, who are some of the guys you're keeping an eye on after draft day that might have an impact for you later in the season? I think that there's there's a few different guys that could that have a path to to high volume or at least they have a path to targets if if everything breaks their way. And Darren Waller's getting a lot of love. I it's not necessarily him, but there's other guys that I do like. Mark Andrews has gotten a lot of ink. I'm not really on board with him because if you look at the three-way snap split, because after Hurst came back, it's a three-man show there. And uh, actually, Nick Boyle is about the closest thing they got to a two-way tight end in Baltimore. So all the Mark Andrews hater, uh, lovers, come. you can at me. I don't give two shits. Like, <laughs> I'm I'm not going to end up with a lot of Mark Andrews. It's just not going to happen, man. Um, the guys that I think that have a path to, to volume – I'm still believing in Mike Gusecki. I'm not a huge fan of the other weapons in that passing offense. We've seen him get some run in the preseason. He's going to get some targets. If there's any kind of fact there in South Beach that they're going to use the guys in the best ways and there's anything to that coaching staff, I have a hard time believing that a guy with the physical acumen of Mike Gusecki is not going to be put in positions to win and be – featured as a pass catcher and not thrown into an inline spot like stupid ass Gase put him last year. So I like Mike Gusecki a lot. Um, past that, man, I mean, it's a lot of streaming for me. I, you know, so, cause I, I think all the rest of these guys kind of fall into this really nasty tier that I'm probably not going to be pressing the button on any of them, whether it's Trey Burton or Kyle Rudolph. If you look at it, especially Kyle Rudolph and Trey Burton last year, they're, their production came in like a handful of games. Like Rudolph had like this massive game that accounted for, I want to say about 25 to 30% of his entire season production versus I want to, it was the lions. If I could be wrong with that, that he had like over a hundred yards in the rest of the season, he was basically non-existent. And the same thing with Trey Burton, that dude had, if you look at DVOA versus tight ends, Nagy used him as a situational player and he had his highest target games against teams that struggled versus the tight end. The only one that doesn't fit in that mold is the Patriots. But past that, he's a streamer. So if it's if I'm looking outside of those guys like I talked about that I'm pressing the button, the other guys that I'm, I'll keep the finger on the pulses, Mike Gusecki is really the guy that I'm kind of monitoring the most. 
But past that, I'm just streaming the damn position. Like, I will look at matchups and say, all right, who's just dog shit versus tight end? All right, all right, I'm going to roll out. Oh, God, as nasty as it is. I'm going to – we're going to pray for some Ricky Seals-Jones touchdowns this week. Woo! And <laughs> that, past that, that happened way too many times last year. Trust me. Oh, I, God. I was there. <laughs> I remember those DFS weeks. I was like, yeah. hey, hey, he's only, he's only $2,300. I got to play him. He's He's free. Yeah. There, there's a reason for that damn it there is there is a reason but yeah i mean past that i like gaseki and, and besides that i'm probably streaming i love it i love it good quality awesome advice as i come to expect from my buddy here d bro it's been awesome man i'm so glad we finally got to do this the energy you bring the knowledge you bring i could sit and talk to you for hours about stuff but you got you got some important stuff to do for the boys of quantage.com so i want you to everybody know what you got coming up this base, uh, this football season and where they can find you. Oh, yeah. So check me out on Twitter at Debro underscore FFB. And, yeah, man, I've got two weekly articles that I'm rocking for the Quant Edge this year. Uh, one of them is going to be breaking down the water receiver cornerback tool is my baby, my bread and butter. So I'm going to have one article every week that is focused directly on water receiver cornerback matchups. And there's a lot of different ways to apply that, whether it's going to be guys that – this is not going to be, all right, play Mike Evans, he's good. <laughs> no, it's it's who is who has got the great cornerback matchups and the guys that you could get it 5% owned in DFS or off Ooh. your waiver wires. And so I'm going to break down not only, like, yes, some of the, the middle-tier guys, but some of those deep-dive guys that could pop and put you over the edge, whether it's DFS – redraft in that week so that's one of my weeklies my other one is it's just a straight up stats article so it's it's the stats that are going to win you your week and that could be anything from running backs wide receivers defense all kinds of different great nuggets in there so those are going to be coming out every week with the quant edge as well as right now like bubbles talk about we've slang it a few different times in this episode the preseason content we have got coming out, if you are looking to do DFS, is just there's nothing close to it right now. And it, it, you need to get signed up. You need to get signed up at the Quant Edge, whether you use anybody's promo code or for any of the guys here, get signed up today because you're not going to find any better content coming out amongst all of fantasy right now, whether it's our Discord chat, which that thing is damn fire That's every awesome. single day. Absolutely, every single day, as well as the content that me and Elliot are grinding like a mother f right now. Like as soon as we get done with this, I'm 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 put coming out with uh, snap uh, share reports and target share reports for all of these slates for all 32 teams. So that's pretty much what's in the works, dude. Busy all day, every day. I love it, man. Again, thank you for joining me, everybody. Go check out Debro on Twitter at Debro underscore FFB. If you aren't already, you're crazy. So go do that and, you know, join up with Quant Edge. I'm telling you, I've been, I appreciate every episode before the episode, and I'll do it again on this one. So, uh, D-Bro, thanks for joining me, man. We will definitely do this again sometime. Hell yes, Bubba. Look, you, you got me on the hot dial. You got me on the speed dial, dude. Anytime you need somebody, I am here, man. I love it. I'm going to hold you up to that. So, everybody, this was Bench with Bubba, episode 204, your fantasy football tight end preview and much more with Derek Brown. Catch you guys later. Yeah.